This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. That's why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. It's Wednesday, 29th, November, Year of Our Lord, 2023. Thank you. We're continuing on in our late afternoon, early evening uh, edition of the war. We're now in the early evening, second hour. Uh, we started um, the first hour in Arizona. We talked about the indictments in um, Cochise County by the uh, out of control, illegitimate um, attorney general out there. I want to go now to New Hampshire. Dan Richards. Dan, you're, you're chairman of what? The Institute for Constitutional Studies. Walk us through what happened in New Hampshire today. You, you were, I guess, a plaintiff or got this case going that was argued today in the New Hampshire Supreme Court. Uh, tell me what's it about and why is it relevant? To change or fight the statutory changes to mandatory constitutional provisions. And that's really the summary, that the legislature has simply exercised undelegated powers and expanded its authority by statute. So what does that mean? Because this happened in um, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Also, it's happened throughout the country. What, what do you, but for the non-constitutional scholar, non-lawyer, walk me through what that actually means and, and why, when they've turned down so many of the cases, did the New Hampshire Supreme Court take this one? Yeah, specifically because of standing, right? So uh, I have a constitutional right under both the state and federal constitution to vote. And so those two... Uh, both constitutions restrain your your state and federal government. And so these two these three issues I argued today were one, that the expansion and use of voting machines is unconstitutional because the people didn't authorize the change from 1784. Same with absentee voting. They added uh, five additional exemptions not authorized by the state constitution, increasing the absentee turnout from a normal 4% to 32%. And then finally, using voting machines to conceal unverified, uncertified absentee ballots. Again, a dilution of almost 26 percent in the 2020 race. Is it your contention that the 2020 race would have turned out differently, that President Trump would have actually won, which he did win New Hampshire, but it would have been acclaimed or certified that he won New Hampshire if all four of these had not been prevalent at the time? Absolutely. And I would say that the reason for that is that Moore v. Harper is a recent case by SCOTUS that was just decided this summer. That's the redistricting case out of North Carolina. And I would I would suggest to your audience that had that uh, opinion been issued by Roberts uh, when the 2020 elections was being contested, we the, none of these fights would have gone the way they've done. And it's a fascinating backstory that I, when, when Roberts wrote the opinion, I thought to myself, who took the leash off of him? Because he's giving us everything we need to fight back. In other words, that your rights stand on a higher plateau and the, the burden of proof now is upon the government. Prior to this case and the, the Heller-Bruin decision as well, 
we would always in court have to prove. Okay, okay, how we okay. Were hang on, hang on. Full stop. Full stop. Full stop. Sure. No, this audience are not constitutional scholars. They n- didn't go to school and study the Constitution. I'm not a lawyer. You've already lost me. So Sorry. I want to go back. Why is Moore v. Harper? Moore v. Harper. Just slow down. Moore v. Yeah. Harper, which we followed here. Why is something about? I think it was about the North Carolina legislature and the redistricting there. Those maps. Why does Roberts' opinion that? What was it? Why is it important? And why does it have anything to do with this? Very, uh, very good point. Uh, The issue there was this. North Carolina Republicans obtained a majority. And under the uh, under their authority, they redistricted the state. The problem is, is that they made it advantageous for the Republican Party. And so the Democrats sued and lost. They appealed and lost. And so the Supreme Court decision is all about Who gets to write your election laws? And can that power be delegated? And that's what they said that it can't be, that the legislature of the several states is bound to establish our election laws and you can't give it to somebody else. And so that's that's really the the long and the short of that case. Okay, but but hold on. But you just said that the the legislature made these changes in uh, they didn't change the Constitution, but the legislature changed the laws of the four areas you just told me. So why does that go against Robert's opinion? You've lost me already. Great point. And the reason is, is that you can't change the state constitution by statute. It must be submitted to the voters on a referendum vote in order to obtain the changes. And that's what I'm, that's what my lawsuit is about, that they didn't do that very process. Moore v. Harper, in, in Roberts's opinion, he reaffirms that position that you can only, uh, you can only, write statutes. Election law statutes can only be written pursuant to the state and federal constitution and not create all this other funny business that they've been doing for a very long time. Okay. Now, now we're on it. Now, now you're in our wheelhouse. Tell me what does the New Hampshire constitution actually say? I know what you say, all these things, they change the legislature change. Tell me as simple as you can tell me, what does the New Hampshire state constitution say about voting? In 1784, we assigned three human beings, a local moderator, a selectman, and a clerk. Those are three eyewitnesses that are constitutionally assigned the duty to sort and count the vote. And that's the key, sort, not just count. And that means in a physical examination of the ballot. And so that's what it provided for so that you had three eyewitnesses. And when the moderator is done sorting and counting the ballots, he has to swear in a public setting that his count is true and accurate. Well, how can he swear something is true and accurate when he, in fact, did not count the ballots? He let electronic device that he has no custody or control of do the job for him. So that's what the Constitution requires, that those three human beings, because guess what else they can do? They correct mistakes on the spot. Uh, Okay, but hang on. 1784, I don't know, 235 years ago, roughly over 230 years ago, has there not been any changes to uh, the voting uh, back from, from, uh, remember 1784, we didn't have the steam engine, right? We didn't have internal combustion. We didn't have any technology. We didn't have lighting. We'd have electricity. It was, it was a time of the enlightenment, but a time of pre-technological, the industrial revolution. So how has been changes and no one's ever challenged that in the 200 
uh, in 30 plus years, you're still going off the Constitution, which essentially has it laid out from 1784? The genius of the document is that it can be altered or amended by the people as time passes. And it has been many times. That's how we create absentee voting here. And so you're right. It hasn't been changed in New Hampshire since 1784. I'm the first person to challenge this issue. That's why the Supreme Court heard this case. And uh, yeah, it hasn't been challenged. And by the way, Massachusetts Constitution is nearly identical, and they did change it. They did put it a referendum. They changed the Constitution. Yes, and they authorized the Constitution. Yes. What about the common? What about the Commonwealth? What about the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania? They did the exact same thing. They did not change their Constitution. Am I correct in that? Yes, that's exactly what many of these cases were about. That 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 these Trump cases lost because there wasn't the case precedent in place to direct the courts as to what to do with the matter. And uh, yeah, it it was really a hot mess. And so now more V Harper has given the courts specific instructions. Is that, that, hang on. Is, is, was that, was that the change? Was it the more V Harper uh, opinion by Roberts at the uh, Supreme court last year that all of a sudden made your case relevant or actually gave you standing. Whereas before, you know, the people in Pennsylvania, nobody got any traction on this thing. That's exactly right. Um, A fascinating backstory on that case is that the dissenting opinion of Thomas Alito and Gorsuch, they didn't object to the majority opinion. It was Morvey Harper's a six to six to three decision. They objected because they claimed that there was no controversy and, and in order for the case to be heard in the Supreme court, there must still be a controversy. And so Roberts forced them to hear this case, give an opinion, and it put in place the precedent so that all of the the shenanigans that went on during 2020 and all those cases we lost are no longer subject to local judges. Now the Supreme Court has ruled and it has lined the rules as to how these cases, this, uh, Steve, this is going to affect all 50 states. Are other are people in Pennsylvania and others, have people reached out to you and said, hey, get me up to speed here, you know, make me smart about what I need to do? Because this is incredible. I argued this from the absolute beginning. I argued this with uh, Bill McGinley and Raheem Kassam when we saw Mark Elias's Transition Integrity Project. And I'd been arguing from the spring. I said the state, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, I wasn't focused in New Hampshire. I said the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is basically making all these changes that I think are in the Constitution about how you have to vote. And nobody's paying any attention to it at all. So are now people reaching out to you to say, what do you know, so that they can then go to court on this? Because this needs to be sorted before 2024. Absolutely. And Steve, I think I'm the first person to bring such a direct challenge in this manner. Uh, I know I am in this state, and that was brought up this morning. And even even more recent, let let me bring this to your attention, Steve. Uh, A few weeks ago, a Connecticut Superior Court judge overturned the local Bridgeport, Connecticut mayor's race. Two Democrats going at it, and one of them is cheating. They've got them on camera ballot box stuffing at the, at the deposit box and inside the voting location. And, and to quote the lower court, again, this is just two weeks ago, he said the following, the legislature has instead enacted a regulatory scheme designed to prevent fraud as far as practicable and mandating the way in which absentee ballots are to be handled. And here's the key. 
whether fraud has been committed in the handling of certain absentee ballots is irrelevant to the question of whether there has been substantial compliance with all the mandatory provisions of absentee voting law. It goes on to say, the validity of the ballot, therefore, depends not on whether there's been fraud, but rather whether there's been substantial compliance with mandatory requirements. And that was sufficient grounds. In other words, you don't have to prove with these new precedents that are now going to be guiding our courts. You no longer have to prove how you were harmed. It's now up to the government to prove that its statutory scheme today would have been lawful when the Constitution was either written or amended. Has this caused a firestorm up in New Hampshire? Are people saying, hey, you're bringing up something, you want to take us back to the, to the Stone Age, uh, that you're one of these uh, hardcore originalists, uh, and that we, gotta, we live in a, in, a, in a post-industrial society, we live in a digital society, and that Dan Richards and these guys are all horse and buggy guys? My answer is simple. I don't oppose any changes that a two-thirds majority of my state in a referendum would cause our state constitution to be changed. We are, after all, a constitutional republic and not a democracy. And in a constitutional republic, powers of the government are few and well-defined, as James Madison famously said. So, yeah, no, I don't object to change. What I object to is change that... And that's the basis of my case here, that you change the function of my government without the consent of the voters. And that's expressly and expressively. You can't do it. Can't do it. Uh, Dan, this is amazing. And we want to spend more time with you. Where do people go to get more knowledge about this case? This is going to be landmark. No matter how they rule on this, this is this is a shot across the bow of 2024. This is a shot across the bow of the Mark Elias's of the world. Uh, this is a shot across the bow of the rhino Republicans in these states that cut deals, didn't go by the rules, didn't uh, shredded their constitution uh, and uh, and just and allowed this election of 2020 to be stolen. And this is why everybody, including Democrats, uh, have big issues with the 2020 election and the legitimacy of the Biden regime. So where do they go to find out more about you, this case, et cetera? We look forward to, to having the audience jump in and then having you back on. Uh, thank you for that. And uh, we're putting a team together now because this has been a one-man effort up until now. And I would like to point out, too, as you just suggested with the rhinos, all the people I'm suing in this case are all, I'm a lifelong Republican and I'll never vote for a Democrat, not even for my grave. All right. Uh, and who am I suing? Chris Sununu, John Fermella, uh, the Secretary of State, the Speaker of the House, the President of the Senate, my local town. They're all Republicans. And they're all burying their head in the sand, and they don't want to deal with the problem. Dan Richards, uh, one man with the cussedness and the grit uh, can change history. Uh, let's hope it's, uh, it's going to go your way. Where do people get you, sir? Uh, right now, I've got to create that platform. So I will get back to your staff and get you uh, an address. <laughs> you are, you're, you're a one-man band. What about your – do you have social media at all? Are you, Dude, I, not only are you arguing something that's pre-industrial revolution, you are pre-industrial revolution. <laughs> do you have a Twitter feed or getter? No, I don't. I don't. You're right. It's, uh, those are all true. Rich, okay. Well, anyway, we'll, 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 our staff will help you figure it out. We'll get back to you. You're a patriot and a hero, and I'm telling you, the revolutionary generation, and particularly – the folks that wrote the Constitution for the great state of New Hampshire, the Granite State, live free or die in 1784 and, and ratified it, would be very proud of you, sir. Very proud. So you should understand that. Uh, look forward for to having time, you back Jay. on. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Dude, that is a total throwback right there.
<laughs> That's a throwback. Those are the kind of fighters you need. I hope you're jacked up now. One man alone with no website, no social media. I want to I go to the reverse of that. And I want to see you how the modern mind thinks about the Constitution and thinks about the, our constitutional republic. Let's go and play the clip. I'm bringing Scott McKay. I, I agree. We're seeing a cognitive decline, but we're also seeing some dog whistles from him. The reason when he makes these cognitive mistakes, because mm-hmm. they're, they're indicia of, of so cognitive decline. you think decline. they're purposeful? Well, I think he's mixing them all in. Mm-hmm. I think he's having the cognitive decline. And then when he catches himself making mistakes, he says, well, you know, because Obama is really Biden's boss. That is a dog whistle to the white supremacists That's in right. the country That's that are right. like, I don't want a black man in charge again. Yeah. Well, That's it's too late. You can't undo that. Yeah, but, but it already happened. Deal with so, it. So that no, is kind of crafty. They, I agree with that. I think he appeals to that racist section of his yes. base that doesn't want a black guy to get any kind of credit. You know, he made his bones on the birth of BS. Yeah. Okay, that's your favorite show, The View, in case you missed it today. Just the clips. Let's bring in Scott McKay. Scott, you've written a book, very prescient. I'm, I'm wondering when The View is going to invite you on, but you've, uh, you've written a book called Racism, Revenge, and Obama. You basically essentially make the case, I, I, which let me say it differently, you attempt to make the case that Obama is still calling the shots here. Walk us through this. Show, show us the receipts. Let's put it up in Whoopi's Grill about what you got, what you have and why you say it's not really racism or Trump that's driving this. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, Steve. Uh, let, let me just kind of lay this out there. Race is now the opposite of accountability in America, right? We use race to, uh, to uh, shield people from actual uh, you know, uh, accountability for actions and, and, and so forth. The receipts on Obama, I mean, the, the number one thing was the most patently obvious is a year and change ago when Barack Obama showed up at the White House and was treated as a conquering hero. And the president of the United States was wandering around the room on video looking for a conversation and nobody will give him one. Um, you know, and, and we've seen over and over again, all of Biden's people were Obama's people. Biden's policies were Obama's policies. But, We've but, seen but, but hang on, but hang on, hang on, but hang, whoa, whoa, whoa. But that's a natural, this was, this was, um, you know, Bush 41. It was Reagan's third term. Anytime you have someone, particularly a vice president that, uh, that wins, uh, a, a, a election off of a previous president who's kind of tapped out because he's, he's had his eight years. Everybody throughout history says it's their third term. Why, why is that a big deal? So Obama is a conquering hero for those guys. So he came back to the as a conquering hero. And Biden's always been kind of an afterthought, just like Bush was to a, to a large degree. Why, is that, why does that show anything that, Bi- that Obama's running the White House? Well, think of the 2020 Democrat presidential primary, right? Between Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And remember, Kamala was Team Obama's choice in that election. And she crashed and burned uh, at the beginning of that, that primary process. And Biden was crashing and burning. And then deus ex machina, we had Joe Biden all of a sudden installed as the nominee uh, in, in, a, you know, in South Carolina. And then he picks Kamala Harris as his number two. Eighty percent of Democrat voters in that primary process had nothing, wanted nothing to do with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And yet the two most obvious puppets of Team Obama 
turned out to be number one and number two on their on their ballot. And, you know, I, you're right. There is a, a, a certain amount of continuity. But, that, that makes, but hang on. But that makes that. Ma- hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That makes. But hang on. That makes total sense. Obama's their guy. That's obvious. If Obama wants something. Yeah. You know, Biden wouldn't exist politically without Ob- Obama. Obama was the one guy since he didn't actually come in and endorse anybody else. That was the biggest thing that Joe Biden had going for. Him. So why is that? What is your thesis that that Obama still runs things? And it wouldn't be kind of odd if his team and his policies and the fruition of my point is that Biden is 10 times, I think, more radical than Obama. So what what is your theory of the case? Well, is is Joe Biden's history as an American politician commensurate with a more radical approach than Barack Obama's was? I would say that that definitely is not true. And he had 40 years in the Senate to, to establish that record. All of a sudden, the guy is cognitively disabled as he is, and he becomes a far left radical when all of his policies, again, are metastasizations of things that happened. And we talk about this extensively in, in the book. Um, all of these things are furtherances of groundbreakings we had during the eight years of Obama. And so um, it's, I mean, I, this is more than just the standard, yeah, this is the third term of so-and-so. Um, one could, you know, certainly make the argument that this is all of the things Barack are you, Obama are always you, wanted. Are you guilty? Make, make, make your case against uh, Whoopi. Because Whoopi said the Scott McKays of the world that are really the guys that are uh, amplifying this dog whistle right. are, 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 the, are, are the racists here because Obama is a black man and they just can't cotton to the fact that a black man is, is essentially running the White House this time. And this is a dog whistle to the white uh, supremacists, the white nationalists, uh, the, the breathe through the mouth white working class that uh, you gotta, uh, you got to not vote for Biden. Counter her argument. Uh, well, Joe Biden's a white guy. So for her to be making this argument is a concession that this is Obama's third term, right? Because otherwise, I mean, if, if Joe Biden was the president, there would be no argument about race, would there? I mean, we have a white guy, actually a white guy who established himself as pretty seriously a racist. I mean, that, that was Kamala Harris's uh, 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 position during the Democrat primary yeah, in 2020. But you're, but you're saying the sudden, white, but you're saying, you're, you're saying the white guy, hang on, hang on. You're saying the hang on. You're saying the white guy has no power. That Obama's the puppet. So, counter her argument by you going and saying that Obama actually controls the White House with his five or six or seven or eight top aides or, or the deputies of those aides that are now the senior people in the White House, Susan Rice and etc. I know Susan Rice punched out, but all those that were there from the beginning that he's running it. Counter the argument that. Uh, you're that you're just amplifying a dog whistle. Well, I mean, what I'm what I'm saying is, is that she's conceding that Obama is uh, the active ingredient in the Biden White House if she's going to bring up race. I mean, it's it, it's pretty it's pretty obvious. I mean, if Joe Biden is the guy actually in control, then you have a white guy in control and there should be no discussion of race in this. And so. Uh, you know, and then the other part of it is, like I said, this is Barack Obama's third term from a policy standpoint, because there's very little that Joe Biden is doing that isn't a direct, um, uh, uh, like I said, metastasization of <laughs> does, what happened during Obama. Does, does that does that. OK, does that shock you? I mean, wouldn't it be shocking if it was the no. other way? 
Of course, it's going to be his third term, just like Bush, although Bush in the second term of Reagan, they got all the Baker and the Bush guys in there. But would it surprise you to, that it, that the policies were just Obama's policies, but taken to the next level? Well, it's not the way Joe Biden was sold to the American public, right? I mean, he was sold as a centrist. Of course, they actually sold Barack Obama at the time back in 2008 as a centrist. And oh, I see. So, so hold on, hold on. So I understand. You're saying Obama, Obama's approval, Obama's approval was so far down. His policies had so failed. It looked like another failed presidency. The hope and change didn't work. The country was, when I took over the campaign, it was two-thirds wrong track, one-third right track, which is a killer. You're saying that they right. sold Biden as not Obama's third term, specifically as a moderate that was going to bring the country together and not have these divisive policies that Trump had had him divisive from the right, Obama had dis divisive from the left. Is that, the, is that your theory of the case? I would say that that's a pretty good theory, yeah. And that and you took it on. How do people are you? I want to make sure people get tons of access to you because actually the book is quite fascinating. Right. I've been up in your grill, but I wanted to I wanted you to counter. I want it to be almost like the view would have you on because I think it'd be the best interview for you to have. <laughs> I'd love to see you on the view. Yeah. What are you going oh around goodness. and giving talks about this book? Are you doing a book tour of this? Because I want people this, this issue about Obama and Obama's control or not control in the White House is because he did have. And Susan Rice is like the chief, you know, lieutenant of the mafioso. They had her there for as long as they needed her. They've got others. Uh, are you going around and giving a book tour? Can people actually see you talk about this? Well, been, right now we're doing lots of appearances like this, obviously, so that we can uh, get the maximum amount of word out. I mean, I, I think this is going to be the fourth, uh, the fourth show I've done today. So um, I'm getting a lot of practice, I guess. Uh, and, I, you know, yeah, I mean, um, I've, I mean, I've done radio shows across the country. We're doing podcasts. I did a thing in Canada last week that just aired uh, today. So, um, yeah, I'm getting out there. And is the book, uh, is, the, is the book cover, is the book cover, is the book, hang on, I'm going to hold you through the break. And I've got Dr. Thayer, I've got Ben Horner, I've got a lot to get through. But is the book cover, pull the book cover back up, if you can, Memphis, please. That book cover looks pretty ominous. Was that book cover done on, was that designed on purpose? I mean, it's like red with a black background. You know, Obama looks yeah. like a demon or de not like a, we, was that done on purpose? We, we made a conscious choice not to go subtle with either the book cover or the title of the book. Um, and, and I look, and I think it's <laughs> hang, important hang, because hang, we hang need on, to hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. I'm going to bring you back on, on, after break because I want you to get a full answer on this. Well, you came to the right place. We're not terribly nuanced here in the war room, so you're talking to the you're talking to the posse uh, over the dinner hour. Okay, we're gonna take a short break. Scott McKay, the author of Racism, Revenge, and Obama, back in a moment. It can happen anywhere: fires, hurricanes, tornadoes, mudslides. Regular cell phone service is fragile and can go down in an instant. Just ask the folks out in Maui. And when that happens, how will you contact your loved ones? That's why you absolutely need a satellite phone. Regular cell phones cover less than 8% of the Earth's surface. But with your sat phone, if you can see the sky, you can make a call. It's got 100% global coverage, ensuring you're always within reach. 
Your calls are secure and private. No one's eavesdropping. Even the U.S. military trusts these phones to communicate securely. Your text messages, encrypted. Only the intended recipient can read them. Everything you do with this phone is 100% private and 100% secure. Right now, War Room's trusted partner, Satellite Phone Store, is giving you a free and Marsat satellite phone with a 12-month plan if you go to sat123.com slash Bannon right now. That's sat, S-A-T, 123.com slash Bannon right now. Be ready for anything, earthquake, wildfires, terrorism, anywhere on Earth with your new satellite phone today, as well as your free bonuses. Visit sat123.com slash Bannon and use code Steve50. At checkout for free activation or dial 855-980-5830 to snag your free Amarsat satellite phone today. That's sat123.com slash Bannon code Steve50 or call 855-980-5830. Debt. You go to bed thinking about it. You wake up thinking about it. Now, here's the truth. The system traps you in debt. High interest credit cards and loans make it nearly impossible to pay off your debt. And insane inflation keeps you stuck paycheck to paycheck. Done with debt is your lifeline. Done with debt has an ingenious new strategy to help erase your debt faster and easier than you thought possible. Done with debt analyzes all the debt options you qualify for. They know how to reduce bills. They know how to cut interest rates. Their skilled staff of negotiators know how to get debt out of your life permanently, without bankruptcy, and without additional loans. Done with debt are the experts in brilliant strategies for eliminating debt, but you need to hurry because some debt solutions are time sensitive. Now, here's how easy they make it. Go to donewithdebt.com. That's done to debt with dot com done with debt.com go there today action 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 stop the worrying take action are you tired of progressive corporations and exhausted trying to keep up with all the virtue signaling when you're simply trying to buy products progressive corporate america continues to push messaging that further alienates conservative americans all while eroding the future of the american dream it's prominent all over the country. Companies like Starbucks strong-arming their customers to support abortion. Financial services like PayPal canceling customers for their political views. Makeup companies like Maybelline making a mockery of women by supporting transgender models. And beer companies like Bud Light forcing gender ideology on you when all you want is to enjoy a cold beer. Thankfully, we don't have to fund these companies any longer with our hard-earned dollars, with Public Square, we now have a solution. It's simple. Join the movement of millions of patriotic Americans who love truth, our country, and our Constitution at publicsq.com. That's publicsq.com. Public Square is an app and website where you can get connected to tens of thousands of businesses from all different industries that share your value for life, family, and freedom. Whether you're looking to buy coffee, find a new athletic clothing that knows what a woman is, and shop for clean skin care, or simply find a new restaurant in your community that won't lecture you about your political views, PublicSQ.com is your resource. Public Square also offers discounts 
to many high quality businesses on the platform so that you can actually receive incentive for spending money with companies that don't hate you. Public Square is free to join as consumer or a business owner. And you can get started today at publicsq.com. Remember, either as a consumer or a business owner. Download the app now. That's publicsq.com, publicsq.com. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, when you're hanging and you got to, you know, go up against guys like Scott McKay this time of day, I always make sure I've got Warpath Coffee, warpath.coffee, a promo code War Room. Uh, the dark roast is the finest dark roast ever made. We worked on this for a year, year and a half with Tej Gill and the great team over there. They got mild roast, they got blends, they got everything. Holiday, just go to the site warpath.coffee but i will tell you that uh, this will give you that late afternoon charge that you need particularly if you're going to hang here in the war room also turning point usa go to amfest amfest is 16th to the 19th in phoenix the greater phoenix area we're going to be there we're going to be broadcasting i'll be speaking on the main stage uh, i think on sunday it's going to be absolutely incredible we want to see as many of the war room posse there as possible that we get to meet and greet and uh, and talk. And particularly if you had a chance to pick up and read Scott McKay's book, we can go through that. Scott, uh, where can people get this? This is going to be controversial. They're already calling you uh, that you're one of the problems here, that uh, you know you're, you, you and your followers are all racists and xenophobes and nativists, that you got the dog whistle out there, that a black man is going to be president again for another four years uh, just to rile people up. So I want to make sure people get your book and read it and, uh, and, and discuss it with their, their, their neighbors. So where do they go? Well, I, you know, all of the places, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all of those, uh, the usual places you buy books, uh, have got it. It's out now racism, revenge, and ruin. It's all Obama. Uh, you can look up my name on Amazon and any of those, uh, other book sites and, and it's there. So, um, you know, sales have already started what, what, they're a little bit brisk. So that's a good, a good thing. I, I, I imagine you're going to meet a, a I think this is going to be a holiday gift people want to give, particularly people in their family may not agree with this as a stocking stuffer. Uh, where do they um, your social media? What's that? OK, I'm uh, at the Hayride on on Twitter. I'm also at Reviver, R-V-I-V-R dot com reviver.com um you can find me on facebook i write a column three days a week at the american spectator which is spectator.org uh and you can go to my website that covers louisiana and southern politics uh at thehayride.com um and check us out also for national politics at reviver.com which is rviver.com the hayride the hay the hayride's fantastic and of course american spectators among the best thank you brother for being on here really appreciate it Scott McKay. Take care. See you soon. Racism, revenge, and ruin. Obama's third term. Check it out. Um, I want you know, and we had uh, EJ earlier. We also have talked about the trillion dollar debt in 100 days. Think about that for a second. A trillion dollars in 100 days. Harnwell is going to come on from Rome. We're going to talk about a clearly Ukraine, some other issues. The full court press on Ukraine right now is like something I've never seen. They've got two things going on. Number one, they want to have a longer CR. I'm just breaking the news to you. They want to have a longer CR because they understand that we're going to demand 
massive budget cuts, the, the MAGA base, and they don't want to do it. They don't have the political will to do it. So they're looking for every way to kick the can down the road. But simultaneously, and this is what they want to do first. They want to get this 60 to $80 billion for Ukraine done first. That's what they want to do. And they're prepared to put any trinket on there they have to to try to fool you. Uh, you got to go to Birch Gold right now. And I tell you, ask Philip Patrick. Go to birchgold.com slash Bannon. Ask Philip Patrick and the team. Get them online. Call them. Uh, ask Philip Patrick and the team. What's another trillion dollars of fiat money on, on the nation's balance sheet right now in 100 days? How, how's that going to impact things? This is why the BRICS nations, this is why the BRICS, the people that control the resources in the world, are de-dollarizing. This is why they're buying gold at record rates. They bought record, record uh, ounces of gold in 2022, and they're doing it again in 2023. And guess who leads the pack? Wait for it. You already guessed. The Chinese Communist Party at 25%. So ask Philip Patrick that. Get a big hot mug of Warpath coffee. Go to your favorite chair. Sit down and just think. Cut off the phone. Cut off the television. Just sit down with your own self and start to think it through. Like, what in the hell is going on here? Do it yourself. You're free men and free women. Uh, Harnwell, before we, uh, I had an interview on GB News today. One of my favorite news sites in the world, a news broadcaster in, in Great Britain, and it was a lot of it was about the follow-on from the Tucker uh, interview yesterday about the Irish. And, and people know I'm Irish. I'm, I'm a, I was born fighting, as the Irish are. I very rarely talk about my heritage. I never talk about Irish politics because it so disgusts me of how the elites in that country, the political elites, the Uniparty, have sold out the Irish people. And to be brutally frank about it, the Irish people have not fought back. It is the most, uh, I think, co-opted country in uh, Europe into the EU. And what you've seen is this explosion the last couple of days because of the situation with the immigrant population and the knifing of, these, of the children and these other people. And what is brought to mind is this um, Allison Pearson in The Telegraph has written a brilliant piece. And Dr. Bradley Thayer broke it down for us. It's on warroom.org right now. And this is why you already get our free email. Make sure you go to the site. He broke the piece down brilliantly, and it is a brilliant piece to begin with, where she said, hey, look, this multiculturalism is not working. And what you're seeing is the mothers of Ireland, women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, that are not going to allow their daughters to be exposed to fighting age males from North Africa in the Middle East that are, quite frankly, looking for women. And they see these young girls that are not uh, with hijabs and, and not covered. Uh, and it just drives them crazy, and they want sex. I mean, she would, couldn't have been more brutally frank. It's a brilliant piece. I'm kind of shocked. The Telegraph, which I know you and I loved for many decades, which has kind of gone wet, uh, put it up. Your, your thoughts, brother? Uh, if I'm, uh, good evening to you. I'm going to start by talking not about Ireland. I'm going to give a personal anecdote from my time in Brussels, in Belgium, which has a very similar immigrant breakdown to it. I remember very starkly one of my colleagues uh, who also worked in the European Parliament, worked for a different MEP from me. She once told me that in some of the the, the, the rougher areas in Brussels, just to stop being molested, because whenever she travelled on, on the underground system, she'd always have uh, Moroccan guys come over and stroking her arms if she was wearing a, a, a T-shirt or something and stroking her hair. Just to stop that, she would, she, she would actually wear a hijab. Um, just in order for, for these guys to leave her alone. So your opening introduction about these 
mothers and grandmothers in, in Ireland. It's absolutely true, and it strikes me as absolutely true. I mean, it's, it's, it's well known as, as a fact that down on the ground, not only in Ireland, but in the Netherlands, in Paris, um, in, um, uh, in parts of Germany, huge swathes now across, across Europe, uh, across the European Union. If you, if you are a girl, if you have blonde hair, if you have blue eyes and you just want to be left alone by many young, young guys, 20-year-old guys who, who weren't born in the West but have come over, then yes, you are, you are open season if, if you're not wearing a head covering. So um, that's what a lot of girls do now. And just, they're not, they're obviously not Islamic. They're not. Why is that not with the rape, with the rapes, hang on, with the rapes in Sweden and what's happened in France? Why is this not talked about? Why is they, they, the point of, of, uh, uh, Pearson's Alistair Pearson and everybody should read Thayer's breakdown of it and then get the original copy yourself. We'll figure out how to get behind the paywall and, and make sure you can read it. She makes the case that, um, these mothers are the ones that have been demonized. First off, the the, the, the folks that got worked up and, and burned down, uh, I think, a footlocker and a bus, uh, they're being charged with hate crimes. You got Conor McGregor who stood up and said, hey, your plan is not good enough. You won't address this. They're going to have to hate crimes. The whole thing in Ireland has been focused on the folks that stood up and the focus on the mothers. How have we gotten this thing so up down? This is worse than cancel culture. This is a deep-seated self-loathing of your own people and your own culture. This is a cancer. This cancer is actually even deeper and worse than multiculturalism, sir. Steve, does it not, does it not illustrate perfectly how totally absent, bereft, of all principle, woke progressives are that their first instinct here is to blame the victims? And um, female victims, by the way, female vi- victims of male molestation. These aren't fictional things that have been brought up uh, that you often read about in the press where the guy's just presumed guilty 20 years after the event. You know, and no one, frankly, no one can prove one way or the other. And it's basically he said, he said, she said. These aren't those instances, right? The, the, these are instances that are happening today that are perfectly verifiable. And the first, the first thing that the woke progressive establishment that has created this disaster over many decades, the first thing they do is blame the victims, women, um, who, who are being harassed, molested, raped, and subject to all forms of, of violence and, and abuse by, by uh, immigrant men. The first thing that, that their first recourse is, is to blame the victim. That's absolutely astonishing. I can think of no other uh, instance where that would be acceptable, apart from there is a hierarchy of victimhood in the, in the West, and sadly, women aren't, you know, they have a lot of power over men these days. Basically, you know, you have believe women and that kind of movement. Um, but they're not at the top of the pyramid. They're not at the top of the apex. Um, there is, there is, a, there is a, an officially sanctioned victim group that trumps all others. And those are people who weren't born here. Um, those are people often who come in illegally, often people who have been subject to court orders for deportation and have just stayed. Uh, these people are untouchable. There is an instance here. There's this way, one. The, the, I have... the, the, the... Yeah, go ahead. Steve, I have, I must read one quote here in this excellent article um, because it just explains everything. It explains the situation, I think, that Ireland is in. Right? This is the guy. We're talking about Ashling Murphy, who was the 23-year-old teacher who, who, who was brutally 
uh, murdered, and uh, her uh, the guy who killed her was was a gypsy, an illegal gypsy um, in the country. I think they've been marked for deportation as well. Um, this is what her boyfriend said, uh, Ryan Casey, in court. And and no, you know, no, no journalist has, has picked this up beyond the Telegraph. This is what what he said as part of the the victim his victim impact statement. How can someone come to this country, get social housing, social welfare, not hold down a job of any description and never contribute to society for 10 years? This is not the country that Ashling and I grew up in and want to love. It has officially lost its innocence. This country needs to wake up. The, this time things have got to change. Um, that's a very powerful quote. I mean, his, his girlfriend w w was killed, right? Let's not forget that. It's a very powerful quote. And those are all pertinent questions. The answer is, of course, Steve, the answer to those questions, how does it happen? It's because people, because you had a, an out-of-touch sociopathic uh, government that, that implemented all these things over the will of the people. And yet the people still voted for them. That's the important thing here. In some senses, Steve, and, and the article does, of course, mention that of a population of just five million, one million people in Ireland now born abroad. The, the Irish people have had plenty of opportunities to change course over many years, and they have not done so. In some sense, Steve, pains me to say, in some sense, these are chickens coming home to roost. No, they've been sheep. There's no doubt about it. Now, there's many things of Irish history and what these, but these, there's no elites and the, there's no elites or uniparty in the world that have sold their people out than the Irish uh, political leadership. It's disgusting and revolting. They report to the party of Davos. They report to Brussels. They report to the city of London. They report to Wall Street and to, and to you know, the Atlantic Council in Washington, D.C. These people are fully woke. We talked uh, yesterday and went ahead, uh, Michael Walshon, one of the members of the War Room Engine Room who, who lives in Ireland and, and, and does work for us there, uh, actually get, talked about a town, I think it's called Yall, where there's 800 uh, Ukrainians and only a four or 500 citizens. And the Ukrainians have been 100,000, essentially draft dodgers. There have been, there have been some, some women and children, yes, but just, it's just fighting age men that want to get out of the country and not defend their country. They're not taking the best in Ireland. The Irish politicians don't care. Before we do that, I know we got to get to Ukraine. I only got a couple of minutes, so maybe we do the Ukraine tomorrow. But because Gert Wilders, I've known Gert now for over a decade. This kind of came out of nowhere, unless you've been paying attention of the seething anger. And when you talk mm -hmm. about seething anger, you're talking about the Netherlands, which is probably the most liberal, open, uh, nice people in the uh, in uh, in uh, the continent of Europe, and also the Irish, who are pretty pretty chilled and pretty laid back, talk to is this is this the thing that's happening on immigration that they don't even want to discuss publicly, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, uh, Gerd Wilders gets what thirty five or thirty six seats, and can actually have the lead in forming a government in a place as 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 not just liberal but progressive as the ne Netherlands, as the as du as the Dutch. Steve, this is, you know, looking at the, the parallels between the Netherlands and Ireland, I'm just astonished. Basically, it's exactly the same situation going on, only just in, in, in two different countries. Um, exactly the same, and this is going to be replicated elsewhere. Now, the FT yesterday, I almost made it onto the show yesterday. I didn't quite make it on yesterday. But the, the FT had three articles in there that are all directly tied together on, on, on these arguments. But it was just a, by chance. It wasn't as if they were, they were winning a themed 
and, and our analysis. The uh, the thing about the, the Gertz Wilders uh, election that, that really astonishes me, Steve, is how every time the Western media are talking about it, they're calling it a shock victory, a shock result. Well, I was surprised. I, I saw the you know I was surprised that he did so well. Um, but you know what planet are you living on? It it, it uh, for, for it to be a shock. You know, the, the the anger in in some parts of the Netherlands has been building as it has in Ireland, as it, as it has been for, for elsewhere. That the tragedy of the Dutch situation, however, Steve, is I don't quite know what it what what a democratic government within the norms of democracy uh, and the limits imposed on, on democracy. What the Netherlands can now do to rectify its problem. I mean, if you if you consider certain countries like ships that have holes beneath their hulls, well, they're letting in water and pretty much you can still turn it around. You can block the hole, kick out the water and, and your ship will will steady itself and go on. But it gets to a point when, when, when the boat lets in so much water that it's only a case of time until it sinks. And I sort of think that the Netherlands is in that situation now. I don't think there's any coming any way coming back for the Netherlands. I don't think there's any way coming back from, from France either, to be honest with you. But some countries can turn it around. Um, I don't quite know what Gert Wilders is, is going to be able to do. But let's just say, let's say, but there's no way. I mean, that it just shows you, you know, coming back, you know, it's the same thing talking about the Netherlands as talking about that. It's not a shock if you're paying attention. Yeah, let me, let me go to Georgia Maloney for a second. You see that this is something even she who kind of ran on kind of ran on this and particularly her side of the of the political spectrum, you know, being actually farther to the right than Salvini. She blinked right away. I mean, she's been correct me if I'm wrong, pretty uh, meh about uh, about the immigration crisis in, in, in Italy, and that's because she wants that EU money. She needs that EU cash. Am I wrong there? She doesn't need it. It's a choice that she has made. She could quite easily, she had the popular mandate to, to, to run a different type of government. Um, she did, she collapsed like a wet round paper bag, sadly, to, to say that, Steve. Uh, again, she might be able to turn it around. She's not given any great indication of having the fight in her to do this. Um, and as I mentioned on the show before, she is electorally secure at the moment in order to do this, to, to somewhat betray her base, yeah. because there is presently no one on her right flank. That it's, can it's, challenge betraying, her. it's betraying it's betraying her. It's betraying her country. We got to bounce. I said on Tucker what that went viral. What you've seen in Ireland is a small scale what you're going to see here in the United States. Ireland's let in 125 or 130,000 illegal immigrants in the, uh, or I guess immigrants, the way that the EU calls it in their political class, uh, in the last year. That'd be the equivalent of 9 million here in the United States, which is just the number that Biden has allowed in so far. You're going to see when deportation time comes and it's coming, you're going to see something at a much bigger scale. And it's, uh, it's not going to be pretty. Ben, how do people get to you on social media? We'll do Ukraine tomorrow. Thank you so much, Steve. Yeah, uh, subscribe, folks, to the exclusive newsletter that Steve was talking about earlier with Dr. Thayer's great article. If you want to read that, you just need to subscribe. Go in to the to the warroom.org website and, and put in your email address. It's as simple and straightforward as that. Catch me on Bannon's War Room on Rumble yeah. and, of course, on at Steve Bannon on Getter. Yeah. N Natalie, uh, Ben, 
Joe Allen, and now Dr. Thayer give us exclusive content. Plus, we get exclusive content for everybody else. you got to get the newsletter. If you listen to the podcast or radio, our ever-expanding radio presence, you need to get the newsletter. You need to go to the site. You need to get the visuals. You need to get the to actually see what we're showing here on television. It'll only add to your knowledge and your understanding. Ben Harnwell, thank you very much. Honored to have you on, brother. See you tomorrow. Thank you so much, Steve. God bless. international editor located in Rome. Um, this fight on the uh, on the budget, the fight on the um, the deficits, this out of control nature. It's only going to get more intense. Uh, we're going to be back here at ten o'clock tomorrow morning, and we're going to be kicking it off with a lot of developments on Capitol Hill. I know everybody's looking for marching orders. Just keep your powder dry right now. One thing you should do to make sure you command the ramparts is take anything off your plate. You can take off your plate. The uh, cyber crime situation coupled with artificial intelligence is only going to um, explode because AI right now only adds to the power of the cyber criminals. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com right now. Check out what they've got to protect you against these cyber criminals. You need it. You may not know that, but you need it. So go check it out today. I want to thank everybody. The show's been intense. Uh, we're going to get the, uh, the article uh, from Alistair Pearson up so everybody can read it. Think about it. I want to thank all of our sponsors. We're going to be back here on fire tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time when you will be back in the war room. For War Room veterans, you know we have been all over this supply chain issue with China and medications and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients. China has a stranglehold on us where there's a way to break that. Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. The FDA just declared a global shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in extreme short supply across the United States. But you know that. Because you're a viewer or listener of the show. Now, here's the action you can take to correct. Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now. It's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies. Just visit jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Take a few minutes and fill out the form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You'll be glad you have the Jace case. Go to Jace Medical. That's one word, J-A-S-E, medical.com, and enter code Bannon at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Bannon at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. You know what the problem is because you've watched the show. You can break, you can take action and break that problem by going to Jace Medical and get your Jace case today. Action, action, action. Folks, let me tell you about Solti. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700 thousand Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key 
to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. WARROOMHEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today. Check it out. 